greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So we are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to share something with you that also challenged me. It's always good after you eat something and it blesses you and the Lord leads you to, lead, to share the same thing that he was dealing with you on. Then you, <clears throat> you share, but you are also learning and growing. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that we are keeping on growing in our knowledge of the Lord? Amen. Amen. That's why you should never miss an opportunity to come to the house of the Lord <clears throat> to receive from the throne of God. Amen. As an introduction, I just want to ask you a question. And some of you have to think about this. I think some of those people who love chicken curry, okay? Now, <clears throat> if he doesn't have salt, huh? For those of us who use salt, you, you feel something is missing. Yeah. No matter how much you love it, when it's without salt, it just doesn't taste right. You feel that there is a missing ingredient. Amen? It may be a good chicken curry and you may say, I love it, but without salt, no. And this reminds me, because what I'm going to share with you about with you, <clears throat> in the body of Christ, it's not that we haven't been taught the word of faith. It's not that you do not pray. But there are times sometimes when we do not get things or when we do not advance the way we should because there is a missing ingredient. Those of you who do recipes, <clears throat> you would have a recipe and you have different ingredients, isn't it? Have you ever realized that there are times sometimes when you want to exercise your faith and something in you says, what if it doesn't work? Is it only me who usually have that challenge? Amen. <clears throat> so you want to exercise your faith and you want to trust God for this and something says, but what if it doesn't work? And that voice cannot be from God because God will never discourage you to use faith. So whatever that voice is saying, what if it doesn't work? It is the voice of a stranger. Now, when I say that when we are taught about faith, even in your own personal life, you want to exercise faith, but something just pulls you back. As we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 16, we'll do it with Ephesians 3.12. 4.16 Hebrews is New King James. Ephesians 3.12 will do it in the good news. I want to share with you today about boldness. Boldness in your walk of faith. Because that is sometimes a missing ingredient. You feel that you know everything that you need to do. Your faith is stirred up. But somehow lack that confidence, that boldness, that fearless confidence. Amen? So if we go through this, you will start realizing even people, some of the uh, characters in the Bible, you would see that they were bold. It's not as if the people that we read about in the Bible, things were just working out well for them. They also had challenges just like us, just like any of us have got challenges. 
But we are here as overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We were just reading just now that Jehovah is your name. Great and mighty in battle. And that is the same Jehovah who parted the Red Sea. And he is still your God. Now, let's look at this. Hebrews 4.16. New King James Version. Uh, Hebrews 4.16, New King James Version. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How should we come to the throne of grace? Boldly. Boldly. When you come boldly, you come fearlessly. So it says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. And then Ephesians 3.12, good news. GNT, Ephesians 3.12. Okay, if you do not have it, I'll go for it. It says, in union with Christ and through our faith in him, we have the boldness to go into God's presence with all confidence. Do you get that? It says, in union with Christ, in other words, because of Christ, now we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. We go before God without any fear or any feeling of intimidation or any feeling of unworthiness because of our union with Christ. So it says, let us go because of our union with him. Through our faith, we have this boldness to go into the presence of God. And 1 John 5, 14 and 15, King James, because I just want to lay this for you and then you will realize it actually starts with the boldness that we have toward God. It starts with your union with God. And once you can approach God and you have confidence in God, now you can face any other situation boldly. Amen? Because we get our boldness because of our confidence in God. Amen? Even the characters, I will give you several examples of characters in the Bible. You can just see that they were bold. You can see that they were not easy to intimidate. Amen? That's what we call boldness. Fearless confidence. First John 5, 14 and 15. <clears throat> now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask for anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Okay, did you get that? <clears throat> this is the confidence that we have in him. Let us come boldly to the throne. Let us have confidence when we go into God's presence because of our union with Christ. Now, I'm giving you this introduction because you cannot be bold out there if you cannot approach the throne of grace with boldness. Amen? In other words, if you are still not very much confident and sure about your relationship with God, you cannot approach the world with confidence in God. Amen? Because this one, the one in Ephesians that we read, it says, in union with Christ and through our faith in him, we have the boldness. So you only have the boldness to go to God's presence because of our union with Christ. There is this saying, how many of you have ever heard the saying, if you kneel before God, you can stand before any man. Amen? If you kneel before God, you can stand before any man. 
Amen. So that's why I'm saying the reason why it starts by saying in union with Christ, let us through faith come with boldness before God. And when we approach God with that boldness and we've got that confidence in him, then we can face any situation out there. Amen. So anything that has been intimidating you, whether it's your challenge, any challenge that has been intimidating you, whether it's even people, you need to spend more time with God. As you spend more time in the presence of God and you know what your God can do, then you can face any situation out there. The problem is that we usually want to face the world without first kneeling before God. Amen. Because now when the enemy parades as if he has power over you, you will be uh, threatened. But if you spend enough time with God and you are in his presence, you go to his presence with boldness, you get more confident that even when I go out there, I can stand before any situation. Because I know my God. If you read Hebrews 10.35, we'll do it in the Amplified. Hebrews 10.35, Amplified. I just need to lay this background for you because I was really challenged and I realized that actually there are many opportunities where we could have used our faith, but because of lack of boldness, we don't. You know exactly some of you in your homes, maybe you see somebody is sick, or somebody, you can see this person is demon-possessed. Something in you says, but the Bible says, those who believe will cast out demons. And quickly something says to you, but what if it doesn't work? Now you no longer have that boldness, that confidence. So if we know that he hears us, the Bible says, if we know that he hears us, then we have the confidence. Amen. Amen. So in other words, if I spend enough time knowing what God can do, knowing my God, and understanding and knowing him as my God, then I can face any situation out there. Listen to this, Hebrews 10, 35, Amplified. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Amen. What carries a com great compensation of reward? Your fearless confidence. Fearless confidence. That's boldness. Fearless confidence. The reason why it says fearless confidence, it means there are things that sometimes will intimidate you so that you cannot use your faith. Then you will not get a reward. Because Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith, but those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. So he wants to reward your faith. But he cannot reward your faith when it's not exercised. Do you get that? He wants to reward your faith. Tell your neighbor he wants to reward your faith. But he cannot reward your faith if it is not exercised. Amen. It will just remain a wish. Isn't it? You've heard a lot of people say, I wish. Why don't you just exercise your faith? Huh? I wish. 
Why are you still wishing? Why don't you just exercise your faith? Because the fact that you desire that thing, the Lord says he will give you the desires of your heart. So as you desire that thing, then you need to have this confidence. Let me spend more time with God. Let me spend more time in prayer. Let me spend more time kneeling before him and allow him to guide me and to lead me so that even what I wish, now I can proclaim my faith on it. So it says, don't throw away your fearless confidence. So it means instead of it just being a wish, it's going to be my statement of faith. Do you have a statement of faith? Amen? You need to sometimes have a statement of faith. And you say, I'm determined. I have spoken it. I've made a decree. And I'm not turning back on it. And of course, the enemy will threaten you. The enemy will intimidate you. But if you do not know your God well, you will be intimidated. But if you know your God fully well. That's why the Bible says, in, in Daniel, it says, those who know their God, people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. You need to know your God and have this confidence in him. Let's take one example. Let's take some examples. Let's start from 1 Samuel, chapter 17. You know. You know about Goliath and David. Okay? So, Goliath, we will start with Goliath and David, but you may not be facing that Goliath of David. You may have your own Goliath. Amen? And your own Goliath may also be intimidating you all the time. Some of you, you've got the Goliaths of death. And that one, he intimidates you. You try to fall asleep, he keeps on telling you, ah, they are going to repossess this. <laughs> the lawyers are going to phone you. That's Goliath parading. Yeah. Amen? So you do not have to throw away your fearless confidence. Face your Goliath. Tell your Goliath, I'm going to cut your head off. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That's what we need to do. So you will see David face this Goliath. You must face yours. Some of you are intimidated by sickness. Sickness tells you you are going to die. Or sickness tells you I am yours for good, for life. You know there are people who say, this is my sickness for life. <laughs> and doctors would even tell you, we ca it cannot be cured. We can just control it. So you will have to keep on taking these tablets for life. If you're tired of that Goliath, cut him his head off. Yeah. Say, I cannot afford to live like that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Look at, the, uh, at uh, Goliath and David. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we'll do it in the NIV, 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll start it from verse 10 and 11, NIV. I just want to show you that your enemy wants to intimidate. So your enemy, any challenge that you are facing, you will know that before that challenge becomes a real challenge, it starts by intimidating you. It intimidates you and tells you all the things how it's going to torment you. That's how it intimidates you. Now that's your Goliath. Cut his head off. Listen to this. First Samuel chapter 17, 10 and 11, NIV. Then the Philistine said. Listen to the Philistine. 
This day I defy the armies of Israel. So it seems like when the enemy is coming against you, he's actually coming against your God. He says, I defy the armies of Israel. I want to know if they have a God who can face me. That's what your enemy is doing. Whether it's enemies who are people or it's enemies as any other thing that the devil can use. They are trying to defy the purpose of God in your life. So he says, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Mm -hmm. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Mm. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Mm. You see what happens when you keep on listening to the enemy? On hearing the Philistines' word, what happened to the Israelites and to Saul? They were dismayed. They and were terrified. dismayed and terrified. They were scared. They were afraid. How were they afraid? On hearing the Philistines' words. So you are keeping on hearing the Philistines' words. Okay? You are keeping on hearing what the enemy is going to do against you. Indeed, the enemy will want to challenge us, isn't it? But he's under our feet. We've got to take our ground. So it says, on hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed. Now, if you haven't spent time enough with God, when the enemy talks, you are going to bow. You are going to be afraid. You are going to bow or run. Amen. But if you know your God, when the enemy speaks, you are going to speak what God says. Amen. Amen. I said, if you do not know your God or you haven't spent time with God, when the enemy speaks, you are going to bow or you are going to run. But if you know your God, when the enemy speaks, you are going to speak what God's word says. Amen. You are going to tell him, devil, you do not have a final say. Amen. Amen. Listen to this. Go to verse 23 and 24. Because, you see, this is the tendency of the devil. He will never leave you until you stand your ground. He's like a bully. Amen. So you need to stand your ground, man. Some of those bullies, they are not as strong as they pretend to be. Amen. Just need one day to stand your ground. Amen. Because listen to this. The same bully who was bullying everybody all the days. Now, he made the same threats when there was somebody who knows his God. Listen to this. 23 and 24. As he was talking with them, mm -hmm. Goliath the Philistine champion from God stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. What did he do? He shouted his, his usual. usual defiance. That's what the enemy is trying to do. He likes defying. <laughs> so, you know, when you say somebody's defiance, it's like we're not abiding by what you say. So, the devil, in this case, Goliath, yeah, he was actually representing the devil here shouting his usual defiance against the things of God. So as he was shouting his usual defiance against the things of God, just repeat that, the Philistine champion, the Philistine from, God. champion from God stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. 
and David heard it. Yeah. Did you see that? The first time the bully came, he shouted, he defied everything. And what were people, what was the feeling of people? When they heard the words of the Philistines, they were terrified. They were afraid. Now, somebody who knows his God, when he hears the Philistine, he doesn't get intimidated. It's still the same Goliath. It's still his same usual defiance. But listen to this. So repeat that part and connect it to verse 24. Say, tell us what the, the, the champion from Gath stepped out. From his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And, and David, David heard it. Uh -huh. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. So it means the Israelites, when they saw the man, when they hear the man, they always run away from him in great fear. But David had it. When David had it, he wasn't intimidated with the enemy. When David had it, read verse 26. <laughs> wow, David, how David re reacts to the enemy's threats. David. Okay? The others, when they hear the Philistine, like all of us, we've got chances to be challenged, isn't it? Whether it's your sickness, whether it's your debts, whether it's people that are not in good terms with you, anything that may be your Goliath, as it intimidates you, as it defies you, you've got a choice. You can be like the Israelites who do not spend time with God, that when the enemy speaks, you bow or you run. Or you can be somebody who knows his God and you will be like David. Now go to 26 and hear. So David had it, but David didn't run. David was not terrified. David was not scared of the very same Goliath that everybody else was afraid of. Can I tell you, I'm not afraid of sickness. Amen? When some of you are running away from sickness, I face sickness in Jesus' name. I tell you, that Goliath, by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I'm healed. Amen? That's what you need to do. Goliath will never keep quiet until you silence him. Amen. So listen, David, show us how to deal with Goliath. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Yeah. Did you hear that? He is saying, when everybody is running away, David is saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? By the way, in the Old Testament, when you had a covenant with God, the sign of a covenant was that you had to be circumcised. So when he was saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He was saying, who is this guy who does not have a covenant with God, who tries to defy God? Who is he? I'm going to show you what should be done to those who defy God. Amen. Amen. David was not afraid. Go to verse 32 to 37. Again, let's listen to David. Because now, David goes to King Saul when everybody else is running away, when everybody else is looking for opportunity, excuses, and by the way, those guys were soldiers. David was not a soldier. So in essence, who was supposed to be running away from Goliath? David, not the soldiers. <laughs> I even like the words of the elder brother, Eliab. 
He says, you are coming here. I know the naughtiness of your heart. Whom did you leave those few sheep with? You are coming here to watch the war. And I thought if I was David, I was going to say, which war? <laughs> because all of you guys are running away. So you're saying we're coming here to watch the war, but there's no war here. We just see one champion and the rest of you are running away. So, but David was not that stout. He just said, what, 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 what did I do wrong now? Now he goes to Saul. Listen to this when he speaks to Saul. 32 to 37, NIV. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Huh. That's boldness. Tell your neighbor, that's boldness. That's boldness. By the way, this one, you know the things that intimidates us. It's not even things that will even kill you. Here, he was standing a chance of being killed by Goliath. But he was bold because he knew his God. So he says, let no man's heart faint because of him. Your servant will go and fight him. Amen. Amen. Continue. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Did you see the, do we call it paradox? In that, in that words that Saul is saying. He says, you are not able to go and fight him because you are only a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. So he also started being young. Is that not what he's saying? He's actually saying that because he says, you are only a young man. This guy has been a warrior from his youth. So he also started young. So what's the big deal? Huh? What's the big deal? Because Saul says, you are not able to go and fight him. You know, people usually give excuses. <laughs> there are excuses. Sometimes you would find, let's take the simple one, sickness, because that one, the devil likes using that one. Sometimes maybe you feel as if flu is coming and it's like sickness is attacking you. You know, sometimes you say, ah, no, actually it's not, it's not the attack of the enemy. You know, I was just in a cold. It's just that it's cold. You see, it's, it's because it's winter. For me, as long as that thing is going to trouble my body, I don't want it. Amen. Amen. I don't want it. So I'm not going to give an excuse like so. Amen. You can't fight him. You are just a young man. He's been a warrior from his youth. So I can also be a warrior from my youth. Amen. Continue. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now look, look at the good thing about knowing your God. Knowing what your God can do. There are many things that all of you, God has done something for you. Tell your neighbor, I know what God has done for me. You see, there are many things that God has done for you, but in the day of combat, you forget what God has done for you. There were many times when the devil told you there was no way out. Look now where you are. You are out. Amen. Amen. So now David draws back from his testimony. He draws back to his relationship with God. He says, I know my God. Even when you are now intimidating me and telling me I can't face this man, I know God. 
So repeat that part. David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Hey, but, but David was, <laughs> was bold. Eh? Do you know what's a lion? Eh? Or you think the, the, the lions in the Bible were tamed? Uh-uh. This one was the wild one. It was in the field out there. He says, when the lion came, or a bear, a bear, a lion, a bear. <laughs> Amen. He said, when they came and took one of the sheep, what most of us would not have been bold enough, isn't it? He says, I went after him. This sounds like overbold. Yeah. Eh? This sounds like overbold. Okay, let's hear. He's saying it himself. 35. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that? This is boldness. He says, I know I can face this Philistine. I already know that what my God can do with me. What God helps me to achieve. There was a time when a bear or a lion came and tried to seize one of the ships. I ran after it. When I was trying to deliver the ship from its mouth, when it turned against me, I held it with its hair, struck it, and killed it. Amen. Amen. Boldness. Continue. So after he has killed it. Mm -hmm. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Mm -hmm. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like Amen. one of them. Amen. Because he has I, defied the I, army I like the this. I like this kind of boldness. Did you hear this? He says, look at what your servant has done when God was with him. Don't you think if he has killed a lion and a bear, now he's got confidence to kill this Goliath. Amen? Amen. You also have killed a lot of lions and bears, man, in your past. Yet use the same confidence to face the coming Goliath. Amen? You need to say, your servant, O Lord, has been has killed the, the lion and the bear. But now, I'm going to face this Goliath. Amen. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear. Struck it and killed it. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. To just get the same treatment. That's what happens to those who defy God. Continue. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Okay. So Saul says, okay. Let's see. Then Saul dressed David in his own. Okay. No, go to 41 to 47. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. Okay. Glowing. So he looked at him. You see, when you are soldiers, we also want to see that you are rugged, man. Your face must show that you are like a soldier. Not, not smooth-faced and like a boy and, and beautiful. You need to look like a soldier. So that's how 
the Goliath, Goliath looked at him and thought, just repeat what Goliath saw. And saw that he was little more than a boy. Okay, little more than a boy. Uh -huh. Glowing with health. Glowing with health. And handsome. And handsome. And then he despised him. Uh, what kind of a soldier is this? We need to, he wanted to see somebody who looks like a soldier, man. <laughs> so it says, he looked at him, he looks like a small boy, handsome, glowing with health. And he says, but this, can't, this doesn't look like a soldier. So the enemy is deceived. Sometimes he will look at you and undermine you. He doesn't know what you have inside. Amen. Amen. He doesn't know what's inside of you. So wait until Goliath gets his revelation. Continue. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine. Okay, now, when your Goliath is talking to you, don't keep quiet. Amen. You can enjoy yourself. You can clap your hands. It's fine. Amen. So when your Goliath speaks to you, don't keep quiet. They say silent means consent. So the devil can claim that. Huh? The devil will say, but he kept quiet. Silent means consent. So don't keep quiet. When Goliath speaks, speak your faith. Listen to David. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Amen. But I come against you. Amen. In the name of the Lord Almighty. Amen. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. So I, it's as if I can see David. You know, he had the stones and the sling. I can see him saying, you come against me with a spear, a sword, and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. In, 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 in the original uh, Hebrew, they call it Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah, the Lord of the armies. That is the mighty warrior, the same one you were reading about. So you were singing about. So he says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you and cut your head off. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistines army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here will know that it is not by the sword or by the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Amen. Amen. You see how you speak to your enemy? Yes. When the enemy is speaking, you need to speak last. Amen. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Sickness, I come against you in Jesus' name. You've got no right to torment me like this. In Jesus' name. Speak your faith. Amen. So that's what David did. And it doesn't mean that you will not be threatened, you will not be intimidated. But you just need to understand the rules of combat. Okay? The enemy will intimidate you. But don't panic before the enemy. Can we just look at that in Deuteronomy 20 before we take another example? Go to Deuteronomy 20, verse 1 to 4 in the NIV. 
This is what God used to teach the children of Israel. He used to even give them advice or rules of combat, which should be also applicable to us. We face the enemy in many times. The devil is looking for us every day. He's looking for opportunities to attack us, looking for opportunities to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen? Amen. But don't panic before the enemy. Amen. When you face your enemy, don't panic. Yeah. Be bold. Yeah. Goliath can speak many things and intimidate you, but you know your God. You have spent enough time with God that you know what your God can do. So read. Deuteronomy 21 to 4 NIV. When you go to war against your enemies and Mm. see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Okay, he says, (laughs) there are times sometimes when you look at your challenge and you say, I can't match this. Isn't it? You look at your debt and say, I don't have strength to match this. I can't see how this debt would be finished. It says, when you go to your enemies and see their horses and chariots and army greater than yours, so you look at your strength and say, I do not have strength to face this. He says, don't be afraid. Because the Lord your God will be with you. So if God is with me, I can face any challenge. Tell your neighbor, if God is with me, I can face any challenge. That's why we sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. You see, that's boldness. All fear is gone. And now I know, yes, I know, he holds the field. can't commit suicide singing that song. Amen. Amen. You hear that? He says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So it means this guy was going through difficult times. But he says, my only reason to live is because he lives. I can face tomorrow because he holds the future. Amen. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Amen. So even if I don't know what the future holds, as long as I know who holds the future, I can face the future. Amen. So continue, verse 2. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. Okay, so sometimes there are times when, you see, it's right for you. Sometimes if you are facing a challenge, sometimes you can call the priest. Sometimes you can call the pastor. You can call one man. And we stand with you. Amen. We are in this together. So he says, when you are going into battle, don't be afraid of the enemy. That's rule number one. Don't be afraid of the enemy. That's rule number one. And that rule is repeated all throughout the Bible. You remember when when Jesus was going to the ruler of the synagogue's house to heal the, the daughter, and he was delayed by the woman with the issue of blood? 
when the people came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, don't trouble the master anymore. The little girl is dead. What did Jesus say? Hearing them, he said, do not be afraid. Only believe. So he was telling him rule number one. So tell your neighbor, rule number one, don't be afraid. Don't panic. Did you know that this is even applicable in every area. Did you know that even when they are going to test you, let's say those of you who don't have a license yet, you know how to drive. But when you are there, you panic. And now you can't even apply the brake. Isn't it? So rule number one, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Most of the battles we lose them, not because we can't win them, but because we are afraid. <laughs> That's why what the enemy does, <coughs> just like what he did with, uh, what he did with, Gola, with uh, David, he starts by instilling fear in you to torment you and to paralyze you. Okay? Did you know many people who die either of HIV or cancer or some of these incurable diseases, the moment they start hearing and being told that they are suffering from this sickness. Then fear grips them and all of a sudden they get finished. But before they knew they were living well. Man. Okay? So sometimes what the enemy does is he tells you something which will then grip in you into fear and when you are afraid when you panic you can't exercise your faith. So that's why we say we need boldness. That missing ingredient. So when you go to battle against your enemy and you see that they've got armies greater than yours, do not be afraid of them. Now, when you feel like, you remember the other time I said, sometimes you need to call for reinforcement. Now here, the priest is here. So you're calling on the priest. So what does the priest have to say? He shall say, hear Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. Did you see rule number one? So the, the priest is also coming. He says you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. The Israelites were afraid. They were faint-hearted. They were running away from the enemy. But David was not faint-hearted. He was not afraid. Don't panic or be terrified by them. Continue. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Amen. Your God is with you. Tell your neighbor your God is with you. Amen. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Some of you are students. You've studied well. man. You are ready for that test. So go there and don't fear. Hmm. Just relax yourself, you open the paper, and you look at these questions, Ish. It looks like, it looks like I spotted here this one, I didn't. Just relax. Relax. Just relax and start thinking well. All of a sudden now you think, oh, there was that lecture that I attended. I may not have studied this section, but I remember there was this. And then as you do that, because you are relaxed, now your mind can function well. Okay? You start picking up things. So don't panic. Actually, some of us, for me, as for me, from the time that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, 
it was the time when I was in standard nine, which is now called grade 11. Every time when I had to write an exam or a test, they would put the thing here in front of me. Then I would pray. Father, I thank you that you are with me. You will guide me throughout this exam. I take my confidence there. It means now I'm going to face this Goliath not on my own strength. So even where my strength, because you saw that, that rule of engagement, it says, and you look at the enemies and you see that they've got more armies than you. Even when you think, ish, yeah, I think they've tricked us. You know, the one thing for me that always used to give me confidence, even in my studies, even when the exam is very difficult, this was my approach. If it doesn't mean that the whole class will fail and there will still be some people who pass, I want to be among those that pass. Amen? And I remember my first year, there was one subject, physics. I didn't do well in physics when I started. I think my June, my June mark was 39, 39%. I had somebody the other time said, she got 39 and she thought it's out of 50. <laughs> so with university, you can get 39%, okay? So now it was 39%, and what happened is that before I went to study medicine, actually people closer to me were saying, why can't you just go to university? There are people who go there and come back, fail, and come back, so you can as well study here. So my approach was, if, other, if there are others who succeed, I will be among those that succeed. Now, I passed all the others, but for physics, my June mark after two tests was 39%. We were left with one test and the exam. But I was saying, I need to pass. Amen? It doesn't matter how you start, man. Don't you know that even good runners, they can start at the back? As long as I know when we reach the finishing line, I'm there. Amen. I may start at the back, but that's not the issue. I know how to finish. So then I was praying, trusting God, praying. Then you calculate. Oh, sorry. If it's 39, how much do I need? At least I need a 61 just to get, just to get a thing. Now, because it was two tests, I think I needed more than 61 to balance it. But I was still trusting God. Amen? I was still trusting God. That was my Goliath. So I had already started knowing God. So then, we went for the last test, and I didn't want to panic. Because it's very easy to panic, especially when you have a 39. <laughs> Isn't it? So I went for my last test. I got 68. My year mark was 52. <laughs> Amen? I went into the exam and then my final mark was 53. I passed. <laughs> that was the lowest mark that I got, but I passed. Yeah. Amen. And now when I have finished, they don't say that this doctor in the first year, he got 39%. Amen. Actually, now I've got a very good position. They don't know I got 39% in first year. Amen. So that's usually, the enemy will intimidate you as if there is no future. Amen? Amen? But the enemy is not allowed to speak last. Look at this. Go to the book of Exodus. 
Look at Moses dealing with his Goliath. Exodus 14, 10 to 14 in the message translation. Because sometimes because of our, because we do not spend enough time with God. When we see the enemy, we quickly panic. But if you spend enough time with God, you will be so confident of your God and know what your God can do. He's done it in the past. You see, like, it means with that 39 thing, I think also when I was doing my MBA, yeah, my stats, first test in stats didn't look good. I think I did MBA when I was already aging. I wasn't at that. You see, things like stats, you need fresh brain. <laughs> you need the young guys who can still run. So it didn't go well with the first test. But I didn't panic. Amen. I already knew that I once had a similar challenge in the past. And God came through for me. Amen. Amen. So use that. The same God who delivered me from the paw of a bear and a lion will deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. And just have your confidence. Exodus 14, 10 to 14, the message translation. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming at them. Oh, so read it like it's put there in the, in the message. He says, Egyptians, exclamation mark, coming at them. That's how the message is saying it, isn't it? Huh? When he's putting the exclamation mark, he says, when they looked up and saw them, Egyptians, coming at them. Mm -hmm. They were totally afraid. Mm. So cried. again, they broke the first rule of engagement. Did you see this? They broke the first rule of engagement. So that's what happens with us. That's the first rule. Fear not. Only believe. Don't be afraid. That word you will find is repeated all over the Bible. Why that word? It's because once fear comes in, you cannot exercise your faith. Fear is like the reverse gear of faith. You know faith will make you go forward. Fear is like the reverse gear of faith. So do not be afraid. So even here, when they saw the Egyptians coming, what did they do? They broke the first rule. It says, they were totally afraid. Mm -hmm. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you, leave us alone here in Egypt? We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. You see negative people. Sometimes they think like this. Did you know that there are some Christians who when they are going through challenges, they say, it was better when I was still a sinner. It was better in Egypt. Huh? Did you sometimes feel like that you were behaving like this Israelites here? It was better in Egypt. No, it's never better in Egypt. Pharaoh will make you pay. Okay? You may just think it's better, but if you go there, Pharaoh will deal with you. Say, didn't we tell you? It was better in Egypt. So it's never better in Egypt. Tell your neighbor, it's never better in Egypt. So don't go back into the world. Amen. So they say it was better in Egypt. 
You were supposed to leave us alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 13. Moses spoke to the people. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. What did he just do now there? He told them rule number one. one. Did you see that? So before he said anything, he says to them, don't be afraid. So it means in our walk with God, rule number one of engagement in battle, do not be afraid. Don't panic. Mm -hmm. Stand firm. God do his work of salvation for you today. I like it that way. It says stand firm and see God at work. Just stand firm and see what God is able to do. Sometimes we interfere a lot because we want to try and help God. Okay? Just stand firm and see what God can do. Mm -hmm. Take a good look at the Egyptians today for you're never going to see them again. Hey, but in, the, in this version it's putting like this is your last chance to look at them. <laughs> Take a good look at them. So even that, that, that challenge, that trouble that you have, take a good look at it. That's his last day. He say, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm looking at you for the last time. So I'll take a good look at you. Because these Egyptians whom you see today, you're never going to see them again. Verse 14. God will fight the battle for you. And you, you keep your mouths shut. Amen. So, there are two things. So, the first rule is don't panic. Okay? The second rule is speak your faith. Okay? But if you do not have anything to speak, instead of complaining, instead of giving all the reasons why it won't work, what, uh, and you? You keep your mouths shut. Hmm. Because the problem is that mouth. It's saying that mouth is going to rob you of your victory. Amen. You remember we were talking about my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. Amen. So you can use that tongue to write your good destiny. But the very same tongue can also be used to rob you of your victory. So when you haven't developed your faith enough and you haven't spent enough time with God and in prayer... Rather keep your mouth shut. Amen. Until you can speak words of faith. Don't speak for the enemy. Amen. So, can I take one or two examples and then we, we descend. So, we're starting to descend now. Go to the book of Acts chapter 27. 20 to 25 NIV. Let's just look at Paul and look at his confidence in God. Look at Paul and look at his confidence in God. Because these people, they lived during, so we'll read in, the, in uh, NIV. They lived in the world just like us. They faced challenges like us. But they had to be bold. They had to know they are God. Similarly, we also have our own challenges, but we have to know our God. The more time you spend in the presence of God, the better you will face your world. Amen. So it means even when the enemy intimidates you, when the enemy intimidates you, if you do not know what to speak, just shut your mouth. But after you have now, so you shut your mouth, you go before God again, kneel before him, 
seek his face. Go to his word. Study his word. Meditate on the word day and night. And when now you are ready, go out there and speak your faith. That's rule number two. So you will speak your faith. Okay? Rule number three, you stand far, firm and watch and see what God does. Okay? So it means that we said rule number one, don't be afraid. Rule number two, you speak your faith, but if you do not have anything to speak, rather keep your mouth shut. Rule number three, stand firm and just see God at work. Don't interfere with what God does. Amen. So Acts 27, 20 to 25 in NIV. So this is what happened. So there was a time when uh, Paul was to be taken to Rome. And in those days, they would just use the ship. And the ships were not as advanced as a modern ship. So then the wind would sometimes blow that ship and the ship couldn't keep the course. So then they were in this ship and there was a time that Paul had said to them, guys, we shouldn't go. We shouldn't take this voyage now. Let's wait here. And then they didn't listen to him because he was a prisoner. They were taking him to Rome. Now go to verse 20 to 25, NIV, X 27. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So do you see the position that these people were at? Because the winds were continuing to rage, they didn't see the sun or the stars for many days. It's like, it's all gloomy here. It seems we are going to die. Okay? That's the sense they had. Mm -hmm. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Okay, you see now, when you know God, you always have something to say. You spend time with God, you come back and tell people what God is saying. Continue. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. Okay, I urge you to keep up your courage. Don't be discouraged. I urge you to keep up your courage. Mm -hmm. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. How did he know this? How did he know this? Because it says, and the hope of being saved was lost. For all of us, we felt there is no hope here of surviving. But he says, take courage. Because no, not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. How did you know that? Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said. Okay. So it means I've heard from our kingdom. Amen. That's why we say if you spend time with God, you can face any situation. So he says last night, the angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. You see, he's giving that identity to say he is my God. I know him. I know that if he promises something, he will always do it. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid, Paul. Okay. <laughs> so the angel again gives rule number one. Rule number one, do not, be do not be afraid. You see that rule is repeated all over. Yeah. 
When you are in trouble, rule number one, don't be afraid. Don't panic. So he says, Paul, do not be afraid. Mm -hmm. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So it means sometimes some people are saved because of us. Mm. So chances are that this boat, the people in this ship would have died because they had lost all the hope of living. But then he says, my God whom I serve, sent an angel and the angel said, don't be afraid, you must stand with trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all those who sail with you. So they are safe because of you. Mm -hmm. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Hmm. Is that not good? Keep up your courage, man. That's what he said, isn't it? Keep up your courage, man. Huh? <laughs> Keep up your courage, man. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. That is confidence. He knew what that God is able to do anything that he promised. Keep up your courage, man. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Do we have that confidence? Do we have the confidence? If we do not have enough confidence, go back again and kneel before God. Let's go back to God. Let's spend enough time with God. Spend time, enough time in prayer. Spend enough time in the word. And keep on getting stirred up. Don't miss church services. Keep on coming. And keep on hearing the word. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you keep on hearing the word, as you keep on hearing the word, your faith keeps on growing. Your faith keeps on growing. And your confidence keeps on growing. That even when you are threatened, you are not intimidated by the enemy. So let's land and we are going to pray together. Let's go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, we'll do it in NLT. Because we are going to use this very same portion of scripture for us also to pray for boldness. Okay? There is the first boldness, which is the one that comes by your union with Christ. That one, when you are in Christ, the boldness to come to the throne of grace. That one, you need to take it. It's yours. Because it's coming to the throne of grace with boldness. Because we are accepted in the beloved. Because I'm a child of God. But it seems like there are things that the enemy will still keep on threatening us without there. And we need that boldness again now to face the enemy. Okay? When the threats come, we need this boldness to face the enemy. Now listen to this. Go to the book of Acts chapter 4. We'll do it in the NLT. And we'll go through some of this. And then we are going to spend time in prayer. Pray before God and say, Father, I need boldness. For those areas, because you already have the word. You are already a prayerful person. You are already living right. You are walking in love. Of course, if those things, you are not doing them, then again, those will be missing ingredients. I was assuming that your, your, your chicken curry is well cooked. It's just missing only the salt. 
I didn't know that the others are not put in yet. So if the others are not putting it, put in yet, it still won't work. Because I was starting from the base that you are living right before God. You have the knowledge of the word of God. You are a prayerful person. You walk in love toward other people. I was starting from there. I was starting from the fact that you are a giver. I was starting from that premise and saying the missing ingredient may just be the boldness that you need. Now listen to this Acts chapter 4. Let's start it 5 to 13 and then we'll go down. Because now here, it was the time after Peter and John had healed that man at the temple gate. And people started now intimidating them to say, you can't use the name of this man, talking about the name of Jesus. Don't use this name anymore. Actually, when I was reading this last night, as I was going through this, I don't know whether it's last night or this morning, uh, as I was of this morning. So this just came strong to me. You will see here throughout. These people were intimidated to say you shouldn't speak in the name of Jesus. And I started thinking of this. Do you know that it's not acceptable to pray in the name of Jesus, especially in some of the gatherings. People, you will hear people being intimidated. Just pray in your name. They don't want to, because now we want to be politically correct. You've heard that, isn't it? You can't speak with that name. So I realize we're actually being taken back there. Listen to this. X4. No, X4, 5 to 13. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or in whose name have you done this? So they were asking Peter and John. Mm -hmm. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know how he was healed? Mm. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Amen. The man you crucified. So that, that same name is the name that we use. Amen. Amen. That is the name that still heals people even today. Amen. He says, I want to tell you, this man was healed by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So there is only one name. Now that's why the enemy doesn't want us to use that name. Okay? There is only one name under heaven we are given by which we must be saved. And that is the name you must use. In your boldness, in your confidence, use that name. The name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness what of did Peter they see? and John. The boldness. They saw the boldness. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. You need to be bold. Continue. 
for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Mm. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So it says they could see that, but these guys really didn't go to any theological school. They don't seem to have any special training, even in scriptures. But they are powerful. But they are bold. Okay? So sometimes you don't actually need, necessarily need a theological degree. You just need to know your God well. Okay? You just need to have a revelation of who God is. That will instill confidence in you. Okay? And, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So it means the boldness was coming out of the fact of they spent time with God. We said, if you kneel before God, you can stand against anyone. Okay? So, they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, these people now were in between. They were debating as the council. What do we do? Because the miracle is obvious. The guy got healed. Remember the guy, the, the, the guy whom Peter and John said, silver and gold we don't have in the name of Jesus such as we have. Rise up and walk. So they said, that testimony is true. We can't deny that. But how do we deal with this? Maybe we should just threaten them that they shouldn't speak in the name of Jesus. So they said, but Peter had this boldness. He says, but it's the name of Jesus that healed this man. So listen to the council continuing. Verse 16. What should we do with these men? They hmm. asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Yo. So they, they say this one, we, this one we can't deny, but we still have to do something about it. Uh -huh. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name again. So I realized that actually even in the days we're living in, that's why I was saying. Now actually when I saw this, I felt I would be more bold to pray in the name of Jesus even though it may be regarded as politically incorrect. So the other time at the work, I was saying to some colleagues there, guys, but it's as if Christianity is under siege. Because when you are supposed to pray, you're supposed to be sensitive. But when the other people who pray, who believe that their God only listens to Arab, to Arabic language, when they pray, that's how their God listens. So they will pray that way, and that's how they believe it works. It's not toned down. Why is it that for us it should be toned down to accommodate others? So it's the same threat that these guys had where they were told, don't use this name. It's because the name of Jesus is a threat to the enemy. So the enemy will do everything to stop us from using the name of Jesus. But we need to be bold. Continue. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. But Peter so so and let's John. see, Peter and John, I believe these guys were spending time with God. After being threatened like this and say, don't speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Uh -huh. Peter and John. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? Mm -hmm. We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. You see now, so they came against them and then they said, no, but we can't stop. We know our God. Continue. The council then threatened them further. But they okay. finally The council did what threatened them further. I told you the way that the enemy does works its through threats. He will keep on threatening you. Mm -hmm. 
but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So go to verse 16 to 22. Uh, no, to 23 to 24. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. Okay, so now, that's why I'm saying we are also going to pray. But the way we are going to do it is that we are going to look at what these guys did. But I want us to pray for boldness in two aspects. I will tell you just now. So go to verse 29 to 31. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So repeat. So listen to what they are saying. So they say, we are hearing these threats. Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us what? Great boldness in preaching your word. Amen. We need great boldness. So they were not saying, take those things away. No, give us boldness to face them. Give us boldness to preach. Give us boldness to keep on doing what you want us to do. We are not going to be intimidated by them. So repeat, give us your servants. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Okay. So we say, Lord, give us boldness to continue to preach your word. May your hand continue to heal. Okay? We want God to heal, isn't it? May your healing power be manifested among us. May your miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of Jesus. That's what we're going to pray for. Mm -hmm. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Amen. Did you get that? So we are going to pray for boldness. Amen? But we're going to do it in two aspects. So the first part is you are praying for boldness against any of your Goliaths. Whether it's financial hardships, whether it's sickness, whether it's challenges in relationships, for those of you who are married, maybe you've got challenges in your marriage. For those of you who are not yet married, maybe you've got a challenge that you are not getting a godly marriage that you need. So that's your challenge. Okay? So we're going to pray for boldness against all these forms of Goliath. To say, we are the ones who will face the Goliath with the power of God. We will stand still and see the salvation of our God. Amen? And we will speak. And we will not be afraid. And someone will even call on the priests for reinforcement. So that they must come and speak the same word. Reinforce what I'm believing for. Amen. Amen. The second part of boldness that I want us to pray for. It's to pray for boldness in general. To advance against the strongholds of the enemy. So it's related to the first example I gave you. It's not necessarily that there is an attack in your life that you are facing a Goliath that you want to be bold on. 
is those cases where you can see there is something you can do to change the situation of other people. Like we said, maybe somebody is there, you see this person is sick, and you know that the Bible says the believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And when you feel like praying for them, you say, hey, but what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? So we want to pray for both. That we know when to act when God wants us to act. Amen? Amen. We want to pray for boldness. We want to be bold. Boldness. That ingredient that we need in our walk of faith with the Lord. So we're going to get that song, Jehovah, it's your name, the way that we did it. Because he's great in battle. He's a mighty warrior. And as we sing that song, maybe just for about two minutes, after that I want us, all of us to go like the disciples in the book of Acts. We're going before God and pray for boldness. Firstly, I'm assuming that you are already a child of God because you cannot have this boldness if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You heard where we read it says, in union with Christ, we have this boldness. Okay? So if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, after the service, you can come and see me I can pray with you and help you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So, but when we are going to pray for boldness now, my assumption is that you are already a child of God. You are already walking right before God. Because the other thing is that if you are living in sin, that will also steal your confidence. And you can't get rid of that one by praying. You get rid of that one by repenting. Okay? So, but if you know I'm doing everything right that I know to do, I need this kind of boldness. I need this kind of boldness like David. I need this kind of boldness like Moses. I need this kind of boldness like Paul. I need the confidence and the boldness that even Jesus had when he was walking on the face of the earth. I need this confidence like Peter and John, that boldness. We want to pray for that. So I said we do it in two facets. One, you can think of any of your challenges, any of your Goliath. You speak like David facing his Goliath. Come against me with a spear, a sword, and a javelin. But I come against you in the name of Jehovah, the Lord God of the armies of Israel whom you have defined. So we come against all our obstacles in the name of Jesus. Amen. The second facet of it, I said, we are going to pray for boldness in doing what we need to do for God. Not because you are attacked or you have a Goliath, but because now you are advancing. You know I need to do this. And something is uh, threatening you. Some of you, you've got good business ideas that you're trusting God for this business idea and something is threatening you and intimidating you. What if you fail? We need boldness. We need boldness. Amen. So as we do, Jehovah, is your name for about two to three minutes. Then let's all lift our voices unto the Lord and pray for boldness.